0: Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We look at Hosea chapter 11 together today. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offering to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. They shall not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword shall rage against their cities, consume the bars of their gates, and devour them because of their own counsels, My people are bent on turning away from me, and though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am a God, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after Yahweh, he will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt, and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, declares Yahweh. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies, and the house of Israel with deceit. But Judah still walks with God, and is faithful to the Holy One. This is the word of the Lord. So in this text, a little bit of a break from previous days where it has been mostly just judgment. In this text, we have both judgment, but also the mercy and the love of God as well. So as we look at the start of the chapter... Um, God refers to very much a childhood picture. So you can imagine as a parent raising a child, the kind of thing being depicted here. So when Israel was a child, I loved him. In his earliest earliest days, referring back to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the book has done that, I believe, twice before already. Out of Egypt I called my son. This is a reference that hopefully will take your mind in two different <laughs> chronological directions so timeline of human history the one direction this takes your mind to the past to those days indeed when Israel was just a child before the Lord and he rescued them from their slavery in Egypt so that's the first reference Uh, you think of the plagues the, the Passover the crossing of the Red Sea All of that in the book of Exodus. But the second reference, this is quoted by Matthew in chapter 2, verse 15 of his gospel in reference to Jesus. That as Joseph is warned in a dream about the intent of King Herod to destroy all the baby boys in Bethlehem, Joseph is told to flee to take Jesus and the family down to Egypt. And that eventually they would be brought back. They would return from Egypt. And this really is one of the things then that lends to the new title, newish title. We talk about Jesus being Israel reduced to one. And we see that, this is one of the ways Jesus does all of the things that Israel was supposed to do, or did in this case. So just as Israel is God's people, went down to Egypt and then were delivered from there, so also Jesus went down to Egypt and then was brought back from there as well. One of many things that Jesus did in our place. Unfortunately, verse 2, they turned their backs on him they left him. That brings us to verse 3 and 4. And this is a picture, again, as a parent, you can probably relate to teaching your child to walk, holding them in your arms. Our children do not know all the things that we do for them as parents, that care for them, that provide for them. And that's the same picture God is giving. He has done this. He has created Israel. He has made them a people. He has cared for them in their youth. They don't realize everything that he has done for their good, and instead they have turned their backs on him. I've seen, in verse 4, I've seen many preschools do this cord thing, uh, basically like the teacher's holding on to one end of the rope, and then all the kids hold on to the rope too, so they can walk in a line and you don't have the kids wandering off. I've seen that many times. And that's kind of the picture here, God, God leading us on the way, the proper way. As he loved us. And then the picture at the end of verse 4. Um, the animal yoked. Having trouble eating. God comes up and takes off the yoke. Relaxes the burden. Makes it easy for, for the animal to eat. In fact gets down on his knees. To feed the animal. And so God has done for us. He has eased our burdens. He has met our every need and we know he has even come down to the earth as we think of him bending down here god has even come down to earth to provide for our greatest need the forgiveness of sins won for us by god in the flesh jesus christ verse 5 slavery in egypt and assyria has been referenced in the last two chapters so it's not that they're going to go back to egypt as slaves But Egypt's reference is the slavery they had previously endured. They will now be slaves in Assyria. And again, because it's the why. They are going to be slaves in Assyria because they have rejected God. Had they repented, had they trusted in the Lord, this would not have happened. Verse 6, the sword shall rage against their cities. This is God's judgment against them. You could ask your kids here, who has God given the sword to today? That's a Romans 13 question, is God gives our governing authorities this power of the sword, which really, I mean, what we learn from Scripture about our government is that they have the responsibility from God to thwart evil in this world. That could be talking about evil within their own borders. So you start thinking about police, Courts, judges, but it can also be outside of their borders as you think of war. For example, much evil happened in World War II, and yet God used several of the world governments, giving them the power of the sword, to thwart that evil and prevent it from continuing onward. And God is going to, at this time in history, use Assyria. To thwart the evil of Israel, he's going to use an earthly government to do what needs to be done, to execute his will on his creation. Verse 7 the people are bent on turning away from me. Um, bent in this sense, that verb here in English, meaning they're basically they've decided already to do this thing, they're determined to do this. But it's interesting, as we think of something that's bent, we think of it being curved. And that's one of our definitions of sin, is that we have turned away from God, and we've instead curved inward on ourselves. So that that definition very well fits this particular verse, in terms of the language here. And then more particularly, and in a sense, a very sad uh, thing here in verse 7, when the judgment of God comes there is no longer an opportunity to repent. They've had many opportunities to repent and they've refused. So God's judgment is going to come. And although they'll cry out in their their suffering at that time, it is entirely self-serving. God sees right through it. And he will not spare them. However, then the text changes. So verse 8, God is grieving the destruction of his people. Adma and Zeboim are references to a couple of cities that were near uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, so destroyed at the same time as Sodom and Gomorrah were. God is grieving. His heart recoils within him. We see part of his character, his compassion, is mentioned here in verse 8. And he decides to stay his hand from completely destroying his people from the earth, even though it was deserved. For he is God, not man. God is more patient than we are. He is more forgiving than we are. And that is something we should be very grateful for, very thankful for. You can think about that yourself. How many times has somebody admitted their sin to you? Confess their sin to you, and you've struggled to forgive them, especially when it's happened more than once. Right? We hold that grudge. If we're recalling past sins, we are holding grudges. We need to forgive again, because we haven't haven't done very good at it the first time or the fifteenth time. Now, this is the this is the eighteenth time you've stolen food off my plate. As we think of children fighting at the dinner table, they might not count them, but they've they've remembered. And it's hard to forgive. This is the you know. This is the fourth time you've lied to me about what you do with our family's finances. It's hard to forgive. We should be thankful very, 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 very thankful that God is God and not man, and that his forgiveness runs so much deeper than ours. We would be lost if not for that. The sins that plague me, I don't even want to think about how many times I've committed over and over again. I'm thankful that the Lord is not keeping track. You know, Peter before Jesus, should I forgive my brother seven times? Jesus' response is 70 times seven. 490 times, too high to count. You're not going to be able to keep track of that many sins. Especially not when you think of how many other people are sinning against you too. I really hope in my days serving as a pastor, nobody pulls out a journal where they've been (laughs) logging how many times everybody has sinned against them. And in every way, please don't forgive your neighbor, forgive your spouse, forgive your children, forgive your siblings, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. That is the encouragement of scripture. God is the Holy One in our midst, whether it's the tabernacle for several hundred years, uh, about 400 years, or if it's the temple, which I guess that's another 400 years, or if it's Jesus, when we're talking about him actually being present, John chapter 1, verse 14, I believe it is. We translate in English, it says he dwelled with us. But in, in the Greek, it's tabernacled. Jesus tabernacled with us. Fun verb. Um, he came to live with us, he came to be with us. Um, or for us today in, the, in our churches, the Lord's Supper. Literally, Christ in our midst. It's a wonderful gift. He will come not in wrath, but in mercy. He will come, right? It says, I will not come here, but he will come. That ends up being the next verse. They shall go after Yahweh, so there will be some who repent, and he will roar like a lion, and when he roars, his children will come to him. You can almost picture the Chronicles of Narnia here, which portrays God as a lion. I guess Jesus particularly, specifically as a lion. The roar of a lion shows his rule and power. So God has returned for his people with rule and power. That's what Jesus does. He restores creation to its king, its true king, God himself. You have three of the cardinal directions mentioned there. Children will come from the west, from Egypt, which is south, and Assyria, which is east. God will gather his people to himself. Why there's no mention of the north here? Interesting question. Israel is to the north, right? You think of the two kingdoms that are split, and that's verse 12. Israel is the northern kingdom. Judah is the south. And so Judah is the repentant tribe. They will repent, and God is restoring them. Israel would be the people to the north, and they don't repent. So they don't return. But for those who are repentant, God will return them to their homes. This is a reference to 580, well, 537, 538, 537 BC, when King Cyrus of Persia will destroy Babylon and send the people of God, the people of Judah, back to their homes and even pay to rebuild their homes and their temple. So verse 12, wrapping up our chapter for today, just distinguishes between the two again, Israel and Judah. Israel Not repentant, but Judah is. And so they walk with God. They are faithful to the Holy One. They're still sinners. They are exiled for 70 years in Babylon because of it. But they are sinners who still repent. And that's a picture of our lives as well. I am still a sinner. I struggle to forgive. But the Lord forgives me. And I am his child. And so are you. Amen.